Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer, as always, is Lou Pellegrino. My guest today is Chris Haynes. He is a senior NBA insider for Yahoo. It's actually his first day at Yahoo Sports today, so we appreciate him coming on. If you're an NBA fan, you know Chris's work very well. He's previously at ESPN. Uh, before that was with the Cleveland Plain Dealer. He has had a front row seat to LeBron James, Kevin Durant. Um, and again, Chris has been uh, he has been at the forefront of a ton of NBA big stories in the last couple of years. I have interviewed him before on my Sports Illustrated podcast, and uh, he's an honest broker. That's one of the reasons I like having him on. Chris Haynes, welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. Gosh, thanks for having me on, man. First of all, how's the transition been for you, man? you got a new gig as well. I did two new gigs, yeah. Uh, one for The Athletic and, and one uh, in uh, radio in Toronto. It's uh, It's been going well. I appreciate you asking. That's very different world here being uh, in another country but uh but but so far so good um all right chris i want to get to i mean it's kind of amazing to talk to you on your first day of work at yahoo sports so let's let's just start with that um you were at espn you did excellent work in my opinion at espn i remember talking to you about your demar Derozan interview which went national international in the case of where i live and I would have expected you to be at ESPN for, you know, the next five to ten years covering the NBA. That's no disrespect on Yahoo, of course, but um, but what happened? Why the transition from ESPN to Yahoo? Well, you know, I, I thought I would have been there as well uh, back then. Um, there's a couple things, Rich. First of all, I want to say, man, I'm, I'm excited uh, to be joining Yahoo Sports. Um, you know, Johnny Ludden, Joe Garza, Sarah Crennan, Marcus Vandenberg, they, they did a really good job in, in, in their pitches. Their, um, you know, they, they, were, they were really educated about me and, and what I wanted to do and what I wanted to accomplish and, and where I've been. Uh, they, they did their homework. And so when, I, when they flew down to, to meet, me, uh, meet me and my wife in the Bay, they, they were on point. And, um, you know, they, they really came in at the, the last minute of the whole free agency process with me. And um, it, it, it was really breathtaking. But to, to get to your question about um, what happened, you know, we, we have to – I want to provide context. So when I – I was covering the Cavs for the Cleveland Plain Dealer. And uh, when I took that Cleveland job, I had left Portland. I was covering the Blazers for four years, and I I knew in order to solidify myself as a you know one of the top NBA reporters in this business, we have I would have to move to a bigger beat, a larger market. And when LeBron um, announced he was going back to Cleveland, um, then the Cleveland played to open up their position, Um, and so I felt like, hmm, okay, what bigger platform? than that um covering lebron and his return um i I just thought it was an opportunity that i had to take i've never lived outside the west coast before in my life so you know it was a scary transition for me and my family to be over there you know and be over there in the east coast um but i did that and so when i i I knew it was only going to be i was only going to do that for a couple years a couple years but i wanted to establish myself and so i i believe i did that and my whole plan from there was once I left Cleveland, once I stopped covering LeBron, was that I was going to be, I was going to pursue a national gig, period. 
I was done with the beat. Um, so I want to give out a, sh- a shout out to Henry Abbott, who's no longer with ESPN. You know, he reached out to me during the finals. It was the year Cleveland won. They came back from that three-one deficit. He reached out to me during the finals and um, started interviewing me and went along with that process with him and Mary Burns and Chad Millman at the time and. They brought me on, and they wanted me to move to the Bay, um, which I was fine, fine with. You know, my hometown is Fresno, California, so that's a two-and-a-half-hour drive to get back to California. And I keep telling people, my wife, you know, she was going to leave Cleveland, you know, whether if I got another job or not. She was just – she did we did two years there, so she was done. So it, it worked out for all of us. But the thing was is that uh, – at the time, we had Ethan Strauss, who's one of the you know great long form writers we have in this business in the NBA. He was the Warriors guy, and um, I had no aspirations of really you know doing the beat again. And um, so the way it worked was, well, Chris, you go over there and and um, you know just you know work with the you know help with news, news gathering with the Warriors and news gathering league wide. And so it was it was a perfect situation for me initially. Um being the Bay Area, uh you know, another large market, cover some whole pro high profile players but also get to to work my work my league wide um um sources and and just expand a little bit more. And then unfortunately, um the company had layoffs and Ethan was one of the people who were involved and I kind of got you know, sandwiched into um, going into the beat again. And so to make a long, long story short, I, I, did, I did the beat for, you know, about two years. But also uh, ESPN allowed me, and I was grateful for that, allowed me to still work league-wide news and, and um, you know, report on um, teams outside of the Warriors and, you know, you know get these – Exclusive interviews and sit downs. They, man, I was there for two years, Rich. Man, I did some unbelievable things there, man. Like I, some real career personal highlights uh, were accomplished in that two year span, man. And I, I'm I'm grateful for that. But uh, the way the way it was, if if I was to return at ESPN, I would have had to stay in that role, and um, that's just something I wasn't willing to do. All right, so a couple things there, Chris. Um... I, I again, I, I guess one of the things, and maybe you can give me insight here um, when it comes to ESPN. Um, I mean, I want to make sure that I sort of say this with fairness, but they they have the NBA contract, and they've heavily invested in the NBA. You can argue it's their, I would call it one A for them. I wouldn't even call it two. Number one is football, obviously. There's reasons for that. Most viewers, etc. But one A is the NBA, unquestionably. So when I see someone like Mark Stein, not uh, essentially uh, sort of being paid not to work there. And I see you, another national guy, um, not being retained. Can you give me some insight into what what's what's what the thought is there? Because it I guess where I where I have a f- problem with the disconnect is it's so clear you have focus on the NBA. It's so clear how important it is to you, yet why not keep a guy who's, I mean, clearly one of the national writers in the sport. I really couldn't answer that, Rich. Um, you know, I, I really couldn't. You know, until 
you know, until Yahoo came in at the tail end and 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 really just went in full steam at pursuing me, you know, I I couldn't figure it out at that time. Um, you know, I actually struggled with it, you know, for uh, for for a while. Um, all I know, Rich, is on on my side is that in order for me to have gone back, I, I had to stay in my stay in the current role and I didn't want to be you know my my sources my relationships extends outside of the Bay Area it extends outside of Cleveland right. it extends outside of Portland and I think I demonstrated that you know during my my brief time there and I, I had I had tremendous fun doing it man met some unbelievable people I, I just really couldn't answer that you know it, it, it all boiled down for me to you know, they wanted to keep me in the same role. And and all I asked for, you know, I asked for was just help. This is the Golden State Warriors, uh, one of the most dynamic teams of this era. Uh, most likely going to go down as one of the greatest NBA teams in the history of this game. And I I was a Lone Ranger, you know, when um after the layoffs. And, um, you know, we got, you know, a ton of people in the other markets, but I was the only one. So I, I asked for help. I didn't want to do the day-to-day. That was simply it. And um, they didn't want to. They didn't want to do that. And another thing that people may consider minor, but it, it wasn't minor for me. And so, you know, we have to hold the, you know, the camera phones um, to record video. And um, I was. Right. That, that's not. That's not how I roll. You know, it's not. I, I, there's a certain way that I'm going about doing my job and being able to get the sources and contacts. Um, that I secure and holding the camera is going to limit, it limits me from doing that stuff. Like if I, if I had to stay in a scrum all day holding the camera and um, that was one of the things too, I would, I would have to continue doing on a daily basis. And, you know, I'm a national writer and there are other national writers who don't have those asks, uh, asked of them. And so I wasn't going to, going to do that. And so I can't, I, I wish I could answer your question, Rich, on why it is um, they made that decision or, you know, why is that they're doing this when the NBA is so popular right now and they've invested so much into the, the coverage of the league? I don't know, but I'm just speaking from my own standpoint of what I was willing to do and, and what, what, what was going to be after me if I did stay. I appreciate the honesty. Just a couple more here. Did they ever formal, formally offer you a contract that you formally then turned down? Yeah, they they offered me a contract. And they, you know, they offered me a raise. It was a raise from what I was previously making, um, but it was the same role. And at this point, gotcha. you know, at this point, you know, it wasn't about the money. Like for me, it, it was not about like if you know my background and where I've came from. Like you, yeah, you, absolutely. Yeah, you you will understand that. You know, I just want to do this job to the fullest. I want to maximize my talents. And ESPN did an unbelievable job in allowing me to go out and, and do these other ventures, like to have these sit-downs with KD and Beasley over dinner, with Damian Lillard and CJ over dinner, with Ben Simmons, with Donovan Mitchell. You know, the list went on. They they gave me the freedom. Like, they, they didn't hold me back. Um, it's just that it wasn't the role, the daily – assignments wasn't what I signed up for initially when I took the job and I was just kind of stuck there and, and I count my blessings, man. It's, it's a blessing to, um, 
to have covered the Warriors on a daily basis, even though that's what I wasn't looking, even though that wasn't what I was looking to do. But uh, man, look, yep. that's a high profile team, man. It's always something going on. So, you know, I always counted my blessings. And um, but at the end of the day, I wanted to expand uh, my natural my national reach, and uh, it, it, I just wasn't. You know, I just wasn't given that the opportunity. I appreciate that. I understand. And people, you know, I there'll probably be people listening to be like, "Man, the guy had a, you know, he was offered to cover the Warriors. What an incredible beat!" But if you know, if you've put the time in and you believe you should be a national person, you have to follow what your sort of creative and editorial desires are. And I respect that. Um, you know, I've been in a situation too where I took less money from the place I was at, and something. A lot of times, it's not about money. In the business, it's about sort of creative freedom and 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 what you want to do. Um, all right, I want to. I'll ask you quickly about Yahoo and your role there. But I mean, I obviously have to ask, just given like how much attention it got. So, how did Damian Lillard break the story of you signing with Yahoo, Chris? <laughs> uh, so I had a I had a deadline. I had a deadline to um, to inform ESPN of you know what I was going to do and. Um, you know, it was long, man. That was a long process, man. Like that was, you know, some people may enjoy it. You know, I didn't, I didn't really like it. It was, it was so many people to talk to and it, it was, it was crazy. Having meetings cross country, flying back. It, it was, it was really tiring. Um, but obviously blessed to do it, uh, being that, being that position. And so I, I knew once I made the, um, once I gave word, uh, to ESPN what I was going to do that it was a matter of time before it got out. And so I actually reached out to Dame um, probably a couple of days before that, that deadline date. And I just, you know, I probably like, if you, you know, my career, I started off in Portland and, and, you know, I broke in a lot of stories, LeBron related, KD related, a lot Dame related. So I, I hit him up. I was like, Hey man, you know, I'm th- I think I'm gonna make this move. Um, and at first, I talked to my wife about it. I said, what do you think if I had, like, a player break the news? You know, kind of kind of switch it on everybody. And she was like, huh, you know, you might got something there. Go, go, yeah, go ahead and try that. So I'm like, like who are you going to give it to? I, you know, I started thinking. I'm like, let me let me hit Dame up and see what he say. And so I, I, checked it, I checked in with him probably about three days before. And um, he hit me back like, yeah, I got you. I got you. And, and it even got to a point, Rich, that after he said that, I was surprised that he agreed to it so fast. I'm like, okay, this this would be cool. Uh, but then, like, he kept checking, like, the next day, hey, we still doing this? Like, I'm like, I'm telling my wife, he really into this. Like, okay. I'm like, no, nah, it's not tied yet. Like, let, me, let me see. Let me see how this is going to play out. And so uh, that's, how, that's, how it, that's, how, that's how it got out. That's how it all started. <laughs> I, I just thought it would be a good change of pace. And uh, and um, that's, that's how Dame ended up. Getting getting the scoop, and I, I know I'm probably burning. I know I'm probably not doing him any favors. I'm you know giving up giving up his source, but uh, you know that's that's how it came about. It's funny to see how how the trend has kind of continued over the the rest of the off season, but uh, that's that's really how it came about. Yeah, but it's great. It turns out to be great publicity for you, but uh, but I appreciate uh, I appreciate you doing that. All right, so my my guess is you should explain it, of course, and then we're gonna get. I'm gonna ask you some specific questions about. Uh, who you've covered in the past, but um, at Yahoo as a senior NBA insider, your job basically is you cover the entire league, correct? You 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 get to travel across the country. 
you're covering the league as a whole, so the biggest stories, the biggest players, not necessarily focused on any individual player or team. Correct, correct. And um that you know, that's very important to me as well as, you know, I, I look at my just look at what I've been able to accomplish this year and, you know, breaking news is gonna come, you know, um but just to really separate myself, and I think the way I do that is just my relationships I have with the players around the league and the top players at that. So being able to come in and bring the culture to Yahoo Sports, and I think it's something that is an element that they, they said they were looking for, and, and I definitely think I'm up to the task. So being able to provide some unique content, also with some some news breaking in there and some long form features and rich what was very important what they um you know the autonomy of the position but don't to bring in my own people and that was really important because uh, you know before yahoo came into play i was wrestling with the fact that you know do i come back do i go back to espn for the for a role that i'm i'm not that interested in and you know, you're always second-guessing yourself because people outside of the sports media, they look at you and, oh, you're leaving ESPN. You, 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 know, you, you know, you're going down or something like that. You know, people people that don't know the industry. Right. That's how the perception. But it was really important to have uh, the autonomy, um, to have the leeway to be able to spread my wings and to be able to bring in a team of people who I'm comfortable with and people that I trust. That was very, very important. And so when Yahoo came, man, it was like, really, they just sold me. And it was really, uh, you know, you know, you you mentioned something about sacrificing, you know, about five minutes ago. I'm going to tell you one thing, salary wise, I did not sacrifice one bit. (laughs) So, so Yahoo really, they're really taking care of me and investing in this. And, um, you know, we're going to do some special things together. Have you um, made any hires yet, Chris, or is that coming? Is that the next step? I, we've, we've, we've got, we got one um, signed, um, I believe yesterday. Uh, We got one more coming in the next week or so. Uh, so yeah, we got one on board. Then uh, we have some freelance. Um, we have a couple freelance spots that um, that we're looking at some people at. And then um, you know we plan to make some. Um, we plan to continue to bring on a couple more full time spots uh, down the road. But as of right now, I think we might go into the season with with two full time hires and, and and a couple freelance spots. Do you want to announce those hires now, or you want to wait? Uh, well. Let let me wait. I, I don't want to get in trouble. This this is my first day, Rich. I I, I don't want I don't want to get in trouble <laughs> day one. But uh, we we, we yes. Wait we, for we day got, two. Yeah, we got <laughs> first impression. But uh, we got we got one on board right now. I'm happy. I'm happy for this individual. So uh, you know, I, I th- we'll have some we'll have some good things brewing for everybody. Okay, and uh, one of the things, Chris, that I think um, NBA fans would definitely be curious about is you're going to a place that had the two most prominent news breakers essentially in the sport, Adrian Wojnarowski, Sham Sharnaya. Uh, they're now both at ESPN, the athletic stadium respectfully. Is that, are you feeling whether your job is, has other elements, which I'm sure it does. How much pressure are you feeling go, at Yahoo being a news breaker? Because that is what that site um, in the NBA really became well known for. 
Yeah, no, nah, there's no pressure at all. Um, you know, it, it became known for that. And, you know, you look at the top newsbreakers in this game, it's only probably about five or six of us, you know, in that field in the NBA. Um, so, no, nah, I mean, I'm coming in and I'm going to provide my versatility. And, you know, when they when they were coming at me and we, we talked, had numerous conversations, and that's one thing that they were um, – attracted by was my versatility um to break news but to also provide insight uh take you behind the scenes um getting players to open up like never before um you know we we go we we have some projects coming up that I can't announce right now I have some more projects coming up I have some other ventures on the side that that'll be announced shortly as well so it's just the the whole shebang of what I can bring to the table and what I'm excited to do because like I said in, in you know, people have been at ESPN Rich for decades, and they didn't get to do the things that I did there in two years. So I'm not complaining at all, man. Like, I've expanded my reach over there. They definitely helped me and helped catapult my career. Um, you know, so I can't, but at the same time, I'm just being real. Like, those exclusive uh, interviews or Breaking news that, you know, that was me. Those are my sources. Those are my relationships, which helped me get that. And so once I was able to secure that, most of the time ESPN came through and provide the camera crew. And so I'm, you know, I'm extremely thankful for that. But I'm going to be able to do a lot more now that I can focus on, you know, focus on the league as a whole full time and being able to spread my wings and uh, and just establish myself and be more versatile. And I think the versatility is what Yahoo is trying to get and bringing the culture of the league to Yahoo. And I, I think I'm one of the right, right individuals for the job. Today's episode of the Sports Media Podcast is sponsored by RX Bar. RX Bar is a whole food protein bar. Now, what does that mean? It means their bars are made with real whole ingredients, and they want it to be transparent and upfront with their customers, which is why they label the core ingredients, egg whites, dates, and nuts, on the front of the package and the flavor components on the back, real on sweetened chocolate, coconut, apples, etc. Beyond being a go-to snack that checks off a number of nutritional boxes, RX bars are actually delicious. They found creating a bar made from real whole food ingredients actually tastes better than anything else out there. They don't need the fillers, the additives, the chemicals, or the added sugar. Now, RX bars want to build things the right way. They believe in the power of transparency and let the core ingredients do all their talking with all of them listed on the front of the packaging. You'd likely recognize RX bars on the shelves. They're the ones that have egg whites for protein, dates to bind, nuts for texture, and other delicious ingredients like unsweetened chocolate, real fruits, and spices like sea salt or cinnamon. Turns out real food ingredients actually taste really good. RX bars are gluten-free, soy-free, and dairy-free. Whether you like sweet or savory, chocolate or fruit flavors, there's definitely an RX bar for you. No artificial colors, artificial flavors, preservatives, or fillers. RX bars are great for a number of occasions, breakfast on the go, snack at the office to push you through that 3 p.m. slump. Toss them in your bag for the plane. Toss them in your backpack for a bike ride or hike. Toss them in there for a pre- or post-workout snack. RX bars come in 14 delicious flavor varieties, mango, pineapple, chocolate, hazelnut, peanut butter and berries, chocolate, sea salt, coconut, chocolate, mixed berries, blueberry, maple, sea salt, apple, cinnamon, mint, chocolate, chocolate chip, peanut butter, peanut butter, chocolate, 
and coffee chocolate. There is also seasonal flavors too. Uh, before we continue, Lou Pellegrino, you are a fan of RX bars, correct? Oh my God, absolutely. I take them on the train with me for my commute. I take them before I go to the gym. I take them after I go to the gym. They are amazing. I don't even have a favorite flavor because my my wife actually bought these for me as a snack, ah. as something to say, oh, you take it on the train, you know, instead of eating junk, eat something really good. So I started eating them, and now I'm I'm you're hooked. So hooked, I'm hooked on them. They're absolutely that's amazing. A, that's an endorsement. And now RX Bar has debuted a RX Nut Butter, which contains a few simple and similar ingredients like egg whites, fruits, and nuts. Each single serve packet contains delicious creamy nut butter with nine Gs of high quality protein. It's squeezable and spreadable, and great with fruit, rice cakes, pretzels, or straight out of the pouch. The nut butter flavors are honey, cinnamon, peanut butter and peanut butter and vanilla almond butter. Finally, and this is the important one, for 25% off your first order, visit rxbar.com slash Richard and enter promo code Richard at checkout. That is rxbar.com slash Richard and enter promo code Richard at checkout. All right, Chris, I want to ask you about a couple of specific um, players that you've covered up close on a day-to-day basis. You covered LeBron, as you said, for a couple of years while working at the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Um, what are the challenges... And what are the, I guess, um, what are the challenges of covering LeBron James and, and how should someone in your position go about covering him? Um, the challenges, well, the challenges just from a workload, you know, is taxing because when I was covering the Blazers, uh, Portland was the only, at the time, the only professional team in in the city. So everybody loved the Blazers. So that that was my first gig. So I was used to covering players one through fifteen because Blazers wanted to hear about the fifteenth man just as not just as much, but pretty close to the same exact uh, the same exact uh, tally of uh, the number one player. And so when I went to Cleveland, you know, it was LeBron, Kyrie, Kevin Love. I found out real quick that I was covering LeBron. It was LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. And then maybe Kyrie on this day, Kevin Love on that day. You never really start to write a story about a player 6 through 15. Hardly ever. You know, Hmm. it may be a strange circumstance. But when LeBron talks, he can talk about what, what movie he's going to see. And he can rate that movie. And nine times out of ten, you're going to see a story written about LeBron said this about this movie. LeBron gives a sample approval of such and such. So it was just different, man. I've never covered a, a player like that because in Portland, you can go, you can talk to the star player on a Monday and you might not even write anything about it. You know, he, he'll just be available. But in Cleveland, covering LeBron, you're writing, you're writing about whatever he says, period. And so that was taxing because it didn't allow you to really fully grasp the whole, you know, the whole beat of the players, um, one through fifteen. So that that was different. But in covering LeBron, it's basically look, he he trusts LeBron. So there was there was this one this one situation came about where it was early in my tenure covering LeBron, and I wrote something about no. Yeah, I ended up writing something about his leadership, like his leadership skills need to improve. Because I think this is around the time when LeBron was like, you know, throwing out the cryptic tweets. And, you know, we, we, we assume he was talking about Kevin Love. And so I, I wrote something about that. But we, we talked. We talked about that. I, I don't know if he read the story, 
but we had a conversation and he was like, look, um, if there's something that you think I'm not doing right, or you have a question about something, uh, you know, or you question why I'm calling this guy out on the court, uh, let's talk, let's talk and, and, and communicate. And he didn't say, I'm not trying to get you to, to change your opinion, but come in and, and talk to me. And so I can, help you understand why it is I'm doing what I'm doing or why it is I'm saying what I'm saying um, or why it is I'm reacting, how I'm reacting. And then you can, you can be the judge and say, um, you know, okay, well, okay, well, that might've changed my opinion. Okay. That might've did something. Okay. Now I see. And so that's, that's all it was with LeBron. It was like just this openness uh, about it. And he, he doesn't do that. You know, he, he doesn't do that for many, many people that cover him. You know, it's only a few you know, it was only a few when I was in Cleveland. Obviously, um, Jason Lloyd, Joe Varden, Dave McMenamin, Chris Peter, or myself. And so, it, you know, it, he he doesn't open up to, to many reporters. And so to gain your trust, obviously, I think he has to know that you do quality work and uh, you're not out there for the clickbait. Um, but, you know, that that's that when he came to me with that, I was like, okay, that that's fair. That's fair. And, um, and that's kind of how I've handled – uh, players throughout the league from that point on. If I felt like I had something critical to write, you know, I'll go and let them know ahead of time, say, hey, I'm thinking this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking about doing this, writing this. And they, the player can talk, and we can communicate, discuss it. Now, most most of the time, I, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't change my opinion, but there have been occasions where I looked at it differently after talking with them. And um, it got me to change my view or – or I end up, you know, scratching the whole feature, you know, um, totally. So that that's just – there's a dip, bunch of different layers to cover on LeBron, but you know, off the top of my head, that's just something that comes to mind. That's interesting. I want to ask you a very similar question about Kevin Durant, who you obviously um, were up close with for the last couple of years. And I ask it under the framework of when I um, – uh, you know, when I announced that you were coming on today, I did get one or two, not many, but a couple people asking about – um, any kind of uh, you know, they thought maybe that you were too uh, close or too favorable to Durant, um, and I imagine that people in your position will always get that tag sometimes because you do have access to the top players in the game. So this is sort of a twofold question: one, how would you sort of describe the challenges of Kevin Durant, who's a different guy than LeBron, and two, um, how would you just assess your um, how you cover these guys, just in terms of um, you know maintaining some kind of, uh, of fairness if, or accuracy or objectivity, whatever the word is, versus not losing access. Well, I've, I've heard that talk, you know, since I started, and it, it wasn't you know, it wasn't just to Kevin Durant; it's to, to any player. You know, I, I'll say this: I'll say this, Rich. When um. When I first got the gig in Portland, I was the only media member of color covering that team on a daily basis, period. Right. And when I first went in there, remember, that was my first job. You know, I didn't have any experience to covering an NBA team prior to that. Uh, but that's a different story. And so when the players saw me, you, you can just see the look on their face like, damn, okay, like, all right, got a brother in here? All right. And so what I did was is that obviously, man, look, I, I got to cover these guys objectively and, 
And I feel like I've done that my whole career. But at the same time, I come from a lot of the same backgrounds a lot of these guys came from. You know, dealt with the same issues they deal, deal with. Deal with deal with some of the same issues they deal with now. Um, just being a person of color. So when I, I would have, and I would just notice the game. Like I was, I'm a very observant person. So I would go in the locker room and I would just see how reporters would just shove a mic in a player's face. Uh, you know, as soon as they see them. And I would look at, I would study the reaction of these players. And so what I started doing, man, I would just like, I would just shoot the shit with them. And you're just talking about music, life, school, kids, wives. And what that did was with me is that, that, that built a, a sense of, that built like some currency with me with them. And it was like, okay, so instead of, because you see a lot of times, as soon as reporters walk in the locker room, you see the players hang their head, put their heads down, or they'll go back to the treatment room. And so I didn't, I didn't want that. I wanted, to, I wanted to be something where a player was open. Because one thing, when I'm interviewing a player, man, don't, don't, don't give me bullshit. Like, don't give me the same regurgitated stuff you gave somebody else. Like, if I come to you, like, give me something. And so, and I think the way they do, they do that, and the way they do that, to, and the reason why they do that to me is because I'm not always asking, 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 asking for something. You know what I mean? And so right. it's like we can talk, we can have, you know, grown-up conversations, but then they know I got a job to do. And so when it's time to ask these questions or when it's time to get serious, you know, they, they, they give me something unique. And so, look, I've heard that talk being close to players all my life, but the problem is I've never really heard anybody say that about a white reporter. I, I'm just being too close and where's your life? I, you rarely seldom hear that, if, if at all. And so, you know, that's, that's not something I heard with this KD. That's, that's been something I heard throughout. And um, that, that's a simple fact of the matter. But the thing is, like, you know, reporters can be better at what they do if they do take the chance and take the opportunity to get to know these players. Like, do your research. Know where they're from. And not just know where they're from. Know what those type of areas that they're from are like. You know, 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 know the poverty level. Know the population. Know, you know, how they were raised. Who's very influential in their, in their lives. You know all that type of stuff. So when you have these organic, typical conversations off the record, what that does is that bodes well for you to when it is time to ask these serious questions, they give you something good. And so that's, that's just what I've been able to do. It's all about studying and doing the work ahead of time before you even walk into the locker room. So while it may look buddy-buddy to some people because they don't have that access or don't have that game enough to talk to them, um, what it is, I'm just putting in work beforehand. So that's that's what I say to that. I appreciate that. And there's a lot of truth there, by the way, because the fact is, generally speaking, um, Chris is telling the truth. Like the, when you hear that kind of tag, it is usually about a reporter of color getting, quote unquote, too close to a player. Now, we'll say this. Not always the case on the coach's side. You do get a lot of times where they might say reporter X is too close to coach Y. But a lot of times, that to me is like age-based. A lot of times, older reporter, usually a white older reporter when it comes to covering that league, and that tag happens. But I, I agree with you. I, I, you know, I mean, could I look at everything? Have I read everything you've ever written about Katie or LeBron? Of course not. But I do think that's a, I think that's a totally fair observation by you a lot of times, sort of, uh, you know, in terms of feedback that, you know, it's reporters of color are quote-unquote, you know, getting too close to player X. But like... You know, 
uh, also just sort of do the do the logic on it. You're, you know, when you covered the NBA, Chris, you're late twenties, uh, now in your thirties, uh, and you can relate to these guys in that. Um, you know, we'll get to this in a little bit, but you know, your background, you don't have a silver spoon uh, background. You went, you graduated from Fresno State at 27. You work in security during the day to cover the Blazers at night. You've been very honest about being on welfare, so you can relate at least to those in the NBA who come from uh, difficult economic circumstances. So I appreciate you giving, uh, I appreciate you giving that a little bit of uh, sunlight. And hey, Rich, let me uh, let me add this. As let, me we add would this say. let me add this as well, sure. Rich. Is that you know, you don't have to be a person of color to, to have that type of approach. I mean, really, it's all about treating these players as human beings, you know. And, and right, I, absolutely. And, and, it, and it's like every locker room access, do you have to go in there and asking questions, asking questions. Like sometimes, like, use a Monday to go chop it up, chop it up on the side with them, get to know them. You know what I mean? Like that, and that will bode well for you later on in the future. And so if people are seeing a, a contrast in coverage where all these guys are writing this about a KD, about a LeBron, about a Chris Paul, and then somebody else writing something different, and you say that that person that's writing something different is too close, well, maybe it's because they have more context to the, the story. Maybe they know something that you don't know. Maybe they're giving you a little bit more insight that the others don't get because they're not asking the right question or spending enough time, spending enough time to get to know that player. So you got to look at it from that perspective as well. And then you talk about coaches. Yeah, it is. There's a lot of reporters who are considered, you know, too cozy with the coaches, but you don't hear those complaints too often. Uh, you, you mostly hear it the other way around. So, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, I've like, like you said, Rich, I, I had to work for everything I've gotten, man. Like I see people talking about the grind, man. I had a wife and four kids. Uh, you know, welfare, working a security job, trying to work in, the, you know, during the daytime and go at nighttime and, and cover a blazer game and, and, and build up my network. And so, like, I really, that shit don't bother me at all, man. Like, I'm trying to do my job, feed my family, do the best I can in this game and do me. And then that's, that's really what it's all about. Chris, can you, given that you've worked in three different markets, Portland, Bay Area, Cleveland, um, all kind of interesting when it comes to basketball, is the way the, is is the NBA covered differently in each of those markets? And I ask that question knowing that, obviously, if LeBron James is in Cleveland, that's a national story every day. Obviously, the Warriors are a national story every day, given how many championships they've won, how many Hall of Famers they have. Um, but I, 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 I want to just ask that open-ended. If, like, in your experience, like, are things different in each place or are things similar? No, in each very, place? no very much different. Very much different. Like, when I was in Portland, like, first of all, Rich, when I got that job in Portland, man, like, I made it. I made it in life. That was that was my – that's how I viewed it. You know, I think I had a salary of, what, 35000 I was like, I made it. I'm going to travel the world, like, doing TV. And so when I was in Portland, my whole mindset was to just make my mark here, like, build a name here. And, and I was going to be happy. Like, I didn't have no other goals, like. I didn't have any like where I where I came from, man. Like, really, man. Like, just to be alive and you know, and not to be in jail was was an accomplishment. You know, where I came from, you know, west side of Fresno, California. And so I had very small goals back then. They were big goals to me, but I had very small goals. Like, all I wanted was an apartment, a job, and a car. That's it, and I made it. Um, so when I got that Portland gig, 
you know, my goal expanded a little bit, but I just wanted to just make my mark there important. Then as I started looking around, looking at the, looking at the industry, looking at our game, I'm like, okay, man, all right. I, I see Stein up there. I see Spears up there. I see Woes up there. All right. Okay. Let me, let me, let me see what I can do. Let me see if I can get up there. Then I started expanding a little bit and I, and I saw the Cleveland opportunity. But the, the reason I'm bringing this up, Rich, is um, when I was in Portland, Portland gave me, when I, it was Comcast Sportsnet Northwest at the time. Now it's NBC Sports Northwest. But they gave me a great opportunity to expand my coverage over there. And so remember I was telling you, like you'll go to some practices in Portland and you wouldn't write anything because there wouldn't, there wouldn't be anything of news wordiness. And so, so on those days, I would use that time to work, work league-wide sources, to write league-wide stories. That's where I started reaching out and expanding uh, my grasp on the league, and which enabled help me later on to when, you know, I had relationships with LeBron and his people, Chris Paul and his people, KD, you know, all that stuff was all started in Portland. And it helped me later on in the future. And so I covered Portland differently than, you know, I brought up Cleveland. When I went to Cleveland, it was LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. And then you go to the Bay Area, and it's, it's basically five guys you're covering on a daily basis. It, it is funny because, uh, you know, I'll get Connor Latai shout out, works for San Francisco Chronicle. He's writing about everybody. And we'll be looking at him like, dude, man, like, dude, do people really care about the 14th, 15th, man? Like, like, seriously. But, you know, we don't, you know, as an ESPN, we're not writing about that. You know, use Katie, Steph, Draymond, um, Clay Thompson, Andre Iguodala. And then you got a polarizing head coach and Steve Kerr. And so, and then once you get down to the end of that list, go right back up to the top. Steph, KD, Draymond, you know, you just work, you know, work your way back up. So it's different ways of covering it. But I, I want to say this, and I want to say this, Rich, just to put out, just to show people how, how they can do this job and, and best position themselves to, to have further success. When I was in Portland, I ain't calling no names, but when I was in Portland, uh, Summer League to me, and Summer League, the NBA draft, Chicago Combine, there's a probably another all-star weekend. Those are smorgasbords for me. That's like hometown buffet for me. And the reason that, that is because everybody that you need to get in touch with is right there, period, right there. And so a lot of us have these phone conversations and phone relationships, which are good. But, you know, just like, you know, any other position you're in, like when you meet people one-on-one, face-to-face, have dinner, whatever the case may be, it takes that relationship to a whole nother level. And so I used to love those opportunities to go to summer league. And so you know how summer league is like summer league will start one o'clock in the eight o'clock. And, and if you're on a beat, uh, your team may not play until seven. And so what I used to see and what I still see, which is common, you'll see these, the beat guys come and come right at six forty-five, and just cover their team in and out. And I used to look at that. I'd be like, man, what kind of lazy shit is this, man? Like, everybody that you need to get in contact with is here. I would be there, Rich, from one to closing, just networking, eating all the food, the buffet food of all these execs, agents, scouts, parents, all these influential people that's, you know, that's connected to these players. That's what I thrived on, you know, and it used to trip me out because I come from a different breed. Like, I come from real – I come from real family of hustlers, man, and they 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 did it illegally, 
but I use that mindset of what I've seen every day to, to put it in my craft, to do, to do it you know, in a legal fashion and do it something that's beneficial. And so I used to always see that. And so that's, that's, those were using those um, events um, to, be, to better gather your source, to better gather context. That, that helps you for your coverage and it helps you for future success. So I wish a lot of people, young, young uh, reporters, would take heed of that and understand, like, you have to go above and beyond the call of duty if you want to keep moving up in this business because that's the only way I know how to do it. All right, Chris, let's finish up on this topic. Um, I mentioned this earlier that you graduated from Fresno State at 27 um, and started work. You were working security at the time. I guess I just, you know, that is generally speaking later than a lot of people will enter sports journalism. Uh, Again, there are people who certainly entered it later, but you know, you're 27 years old. To me, like, you know, you got kids. That's a big roll of dice to try to start a career, which at the beginning, as both of us know, is going to pay you shit. And so I just wonder if I can get inside your head and get inside your life there. Like, what was driving you at that time to, like, want to join this, uh, want to do this, knowing that you had responsibilities at home and knowing that you probably could get a job in a different industry that was going to pay you much more money a lot faster. Well, it's funny. Like, when I graduated high school, college wasn't – I only went to college to play ball. And so I spent, like, five or six years going back and forth to different colleges, transferring schools, you know, just for, you know, playing ball. Like, I had aspirations of, you know, playing professionally. Not not the NBA, but going overseas – and so um, after I played, you know, after I finished hooping at Fresno Pacific University, transferred to Fresno State, and I was like, that, you know, I'm 25, 26. I think I had my third child. Yeah, I think I had my third child at that time. And um, I was like, all right, it's time. Like, I got to stop. Basketball is done. Like, 25. It's, it's not going to happen. Uh, I got to pick a career. And so, Rich, my, my, my whole mindset was, okay. I love basketball. I want to be associated with basketball some way. I'm going to go and major in kinesiology to become a PE teacher. So I could be a PE teacher and I can coach. And so, like, Rich, like, I kid you not, my grades were terrible. I'm talking, like, my college grade. My high school grades were probably more terrible. I'm talking about in college, like, 1.5 GPA. And the reason why that was so high because I took all these PE classes in college, you know, to keep 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 my grades afloat, and so I had a lot to go back to Fresno City College, junior college, you know, get get the units up before I was able to transfer to Fresno State. But that was my goal: PE teacher, kinesiology. And my last year at Fresno State, I ended up graduating Fresno State with honors, by the way, three point three or something like that, three point four. But my last year at Fresno State. I took this class uh, by D- Professor um, H- Hassan Johnson. It was an African-American course, but it was a writing course uh, on African-American studies. And I've never written in my life, like had no aspirations of being a journalist, none of that. Didn't know how the industry worked. Uh, didn't know the difference between a journalist and analyst or whatever. And, 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 and I love history. I love history, primarily you know, African-American history, but I love history in general. And that's what this class is about, writing about our history, writing about our culture. And I did, and I was writing these stories, and I, and I found out, hey, I like writing. 
and I, I couldn't write, and I couldn't put a, you know, I wasn't good at putting a structure together, a good sense of structure together, but I, I, I liked writing. And so I, I was telling my wife, man, this, this is fun. Like, this is fun. Then I started, this was around the time Twitter was coming around. Then I started, like, following people to see how people, you know, people write and looking at the various people in the industry, Mark Stein, the Mark Spears, the, the Woj, um, and just, you know, just really gravitating towards it. And then I was like, I was like, okay, let me try my hand. Let me watch a game on TV. Remember, I'm in Fresno. I've never been outside of really Fresno in my life. And I'm like, let me watch a game and see if I could write a recap off of it. And so I started writing recaps, and I, I was sending my my clips to different online um, publications. And Slam Magazine was one of the ones that said, hey, you know, you got some talent here. You got some upside, but we can't bring you on. We can't pay you. But if you move to an NBA city, we'll get you credentialed, and you can write for us to kind of, you know, build up your rep. And so – Remember, I'm 27 at the time I'm about to graduate, and most people in my most people in my neighborhood don't graduate, or they do end up graduating late. You know, something just clicks later in life for them, and so I was one of those persons. But uh, people, so I told my wife, I'm like, you know what? Hey, babe, let's let's act like we're people on TV, people who actually graduate at, at 22 and 23, and they end up moving and going somewhere and they're seeing the world. I said, let's do this right now. So I really had like a probably a midlife crisis at that point, Rich. And so I'm like, okay, let's let's experience something. So we picked Portland because we wanted to go somewhere. I went to my first um, my first college was Sac City College, Sacramento City College. That's where I played ball at first. So I didn't want to go back to Sac. Um, so I'm like, let's go somewhere we've never been, but somewhere that's not too far. That like if we feel like we got to come back, we can. It'll be a smooth, smoother transition. We picked Portland, and that's what we did. And I ended up graduating kinesiology. Uh, I ended up getting my degree, but I could not use that degree to save my life, Rich. Like, I could not find work. I could not find work that, that fit my degree. And so I'm struggling. You know, at the time, I'm like, man, I can't find anything but security work. And so I was a security guard for a high school, and I was a security guard for an apartment complex uh, in a city called Molala, which is about 30, 45 miles of Portland. And if people talk about Portland is not diverse, when you step outside of Portland, you'll see what really what really isn't diverse. And, man, it, it was a struggle. There's stories within that, just going through that juncture. But that's, that's, what, that's what happened. And um, I'm trying to answer you. I'm trying to give you a quick synopsis, Rich, but I did that for a year. I did that for a year. And um, Dwight James who man, I'm being indebted to for life. He's a columnist, longtime columnist there in Portland. He looked out for me. Right. That, that whole year that I was working for free, because he'll see me coming from games. And, um, you know, one time I even came with, you know, my security outfit to cover a game. But um, he, he, would say, he would say, hey, the following season, which would have been the lockout year, and we, but we didn't know a lockout was coming. He was like, our company, Comcast Sportsnet Northwest, is going to open up a beat position. And – you're going to, you know, it's going to travel to every game and do TV. And so he said, I'm going to throw your name in the hat. I'm going to recommend you. And he did that. And so when that season, when that, when that season was over, that year working for free, which was the 10-11 season, he came back to me and he was like, hey, they're going to offer you the job. But unfortunately, the lockout is going on. 
And so I'm still like, damn, man, like I'm, I got an opportunity, but the lockout's coming. But when the lockout ended, they went after two guys first, two um, local guys first. Those guys turned it down, and I got the job, and, and the rest is history. I appreciate that, Chris. I'm glad you're on the beat. Um, all right, here's where I want to end with, and that's we'll end on a on a on a basketball topic. Um, listen, I, I I can make the argument as a big NBA fan that every team is interesting in its own way, and every team has interesting stories. But in terms of kind of a uh, an overall kind of look, Chris, what's the story or the maybe the top two or three stories that most interest you, at least as we head into the opening, as we head to opening night? Well, off the top of my head, one of the top ones is right there in your neck of the woods, the, the Ka- Kawhi Leonard-Toronto Raptors relationship. How is that going to pan out? Uh, wh- you know, what's going to be in his future? Um you know that that's going to be really big, really big. And you know, you know, I'm happy for the city of Toronto, man. Like, we we don't know if this is going to work out, but we're getting a lot of national love now, and, and it might be just because yeah. <laughs> of this. It might it might just be because of this situation, but that, that's fine. But they, they're getting a lot of love. There's a real, there's a real, really a lot of great people over there um, within that organization who I consider friends, and so I'm I'm happy um, that they're getting the pub. And now it's obviously they got to produce and convince Kawhi um, to, you know, try to stay long-term and also try to put a, a winning product on the floor, not just a winning product, but try to take that next step. So Toronto, I'm looking at Toronto, Kawhi, and, you know, look, man, this this year is not a lot of real big storylines. Golden State is there. You got LeBron, the Lakers. We don't expect much, you know, but we expect them to be competitive. Uh it's really limited in a lot of storylines. And I can make the case that the Toronto, Kawhi, is probably the biggest storyline of the NBA season. And so I'm looking forward to seeing how this is all going to play out because the NBA has been great. It's been great. And you look at free agency, I mean, just the fact that you got players reporting on on reporters, man. It's it's been it's been great for players and it's been uh, it's been great for the people who cover this league. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I'm very happy, man. I'm happy to be at Yahoo. I'm, uh, you know, we're gonna have some creative things in store and a lot of things that that will be announced soon. And you know, I'm just grateful for the time I had at ESPN. And I want to give a shout out to some people at ESPN if if I can, Rich, uh, Mary sure. Burns, Mary Burns, Henry Abbott, Chad Millman, who put me on. Rob Salvinelli, um, Rob King, Kevin Meredith, uh, Mike Schiffman, Hillary Guy, uh, one of the best editors I've ever worked with, uh, Matt Wong, Chris Ramsey, Mark Spears, all the producers out there that who you know who helped make me look good. I'm a dark brother. I'm very dark. So at, t- at times on TV, uh, a lot of times you may just see eyes and teeth talking. But you know these producers and the makeup people know how to put some makeup on you to make you just blend in just just heavily. And so I, I appreciate those people. And um, and I want to give a special shout-out, Rich, to this person who I consider one of the best teammates I had there at ESPN, uh, aside from Mark Spears and Matt Wong, Ramona Shelburne. She doesn't know this, but I found out she was fighting behind the scenes, emailing, calling people behind the scenes to try to get uh, get some of the higher-ups to to jump in to get me to stay at ESPN. She was doing all she could. And I found she don't know I know this. And she probably don't want me saying this, but I want to know. I appreciate her from the kindness of my heart. I know I've got word about what she was doing and the people she was talking to behind the scenes. So 
I really appreciate her, the ultimate teammate, man. But, you know, it, a lot of people have helped me get to this point, and I'm just very appreciative and very excited for uh, the opportunity Yahoo's given me, and I'm ready to get to work. Yeah, Ramona's good people. I'm glad you gave her a shot. By the way, that was a nice Oscar speech, Chris. I feel like you, you, gotta, you, you almost gave everybody a shout out there. All right, listen, Chris Haynes is the senior NBA insider for Yahoo Sports. His first day is today. Um, if you are an NBA fan, I really don't have to introduce him. Um, you already know his work given where he has been, including covering the biggest stories. Uh, I've always been a fan of this guy's work. Uh, Chris knows that. It's the reason, um, you know, obviously when he writes something, I'll recommend it. But beyond that, we've talked before uh, a number of times, including a previous podcast. And I just, I appreciate his honesty. That's transparency is something I really like when it comes to doing these podcasts and he's right up there. Listen, Chris, I wish you nothing but success, but I think you're going to have success. So you don't necessarily need my, uh, need my wishes. You're a grinder and, and that's what you're going to do. And that's what you do every day. So I wish you nothing but the best. And thanks very much for, uh, joining me today on the sports media podcast. Uh, Rich, thanks for having me, man. Anytime. All right. Back in the studio. My thanks to Chris Haynes, uh, for coming on, uh, and for his, uh, for his honesty. I appreciate that. Uh, he'll definitely, if we do some NBA stuff. We'll, we'll definitely, have him back. Um, if you like this kind of content, previous uh, Sports Media with Richard Deitch podcast, Renee Young of the WWE, the first woman to uh, get Raw full-time. Um, we have, um, as you know, multiple uh, roundtables uh, with the usual people who you've heard talking about the uh, Sports Media News of the Week. And we will have one next week, hopefully with John Oran, Chad Finn, maybe some others. Adam Schefter, Chinea Gumake, Rebecca Lowe, uh, Frank Isola, Carissa Thompson, Joe Testator, Doris Burke. Go back in the archives. Check out maybe what you haven't heard. I think you'll like the content. Please give us a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts uh, or Stitcher, Google Play, however you get this stuff. Um, it does make a difference. For my producer, Lou Pellegrino, for Cadence 13, this is Richard Deitch. We'll see you again on the Sports Media Podcast.